Father in heaven, Lord, we are so thankful to be able to come and study your word again this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the safety throughout the week. Thank you for your watch care over us. And as we're about to study your word, please bless us with your Holy Spirit. Give us the spirit of wisdom and of understanding. May you lead us into all truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we are continuing our series as usual on the parables of Jesus. And the, the study that we're looking at this evening is the unjust steward. And you know, the past few times we have looked at the background to this parables, but today we don't actually have any background to this one. There, there doesn't seem to be any situation that has happened or anything that Jesus has to deal with. Jesus just simply launches into this parable. And so let's do that as well by starting here in Luke chapter 16. And we are reading verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, and he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship for thou mayest be no longer steward. So this parable starts off with the introduction of a rich man who had some people that worked for him and he comes to one of them, his steward, the one that's been taking care of some of his goods and he hears that he's been wasting his goods. So what does he do? He calls him in and he asks him to give an account of all that he has done and performs an investigation on his stewardship and confirms the matter that he has been unfaithful and basically fires him. Of course, he gives him a few days notice as any good boss would do. But how does this steward react? What does he say to him when he hears this response from his master? Verse 3 of Luke 16. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship I cannot dig, and to beg I am ashamed. He sees before him three paths, either to dig, meaning he will have to work hard to support himself, or he has to beg, or he will starve. There's three things. So either he has to work hard, he has to go and dig, or he has to beg, or he will do nothing and then he will starve. But he says what? I cannot dig and he is ashamed to beg. Now, what does he mean by this? Is he really not able to dig? Is he disabled or something? Absolutely not. When he says, I cannot dig, it simply means he is lazy. He's gotten used to the high life. He's gotten used to cheating his master from his money. And so he doesn't, hasn't had to do much. And so he's gotten quite lazy there. And so it's not that he couldn't do it, but he didn't want to do it. And so he's not been used to this hard labor. And then he says, to beg, I am ashamed. What does he mean by that? Well, he has too much pride to beg. As always, uh, as, as before I said, he'd been living the high life, so he's not used to humbling himself and coming down to a certain level where he's just going to sit on the roadside and beg for his food and beg for money. So we really get a sense of this steward's character. 
he's really not a good person at all. He's lazy and he's proud. Two things, two combinations of character that you really don't want to have together. At least if you're lazy, but you're willing to beg, you can survive. Or at least if you're humble enough, uh, pardon me, you're proud, but you're still willing to work, you'll be able to support yourself as well. But this man, he is not humble enough. He's still so proud and he's lazy as well. So what does he end up doing? Let's continue reading this parable, shall we? In Luke 16, verses 4 to 7, the Bible says, I am resolved what to do. That's the steward speaking to himself. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then said he to another, How much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write, what? Four score. So what happens after this steward is fired? He begins to call every one of his Lord's debtors. He calls every single one. He's thorough. He leaves no stone unturned. He leaves no debtor out. He makes sure to contact each and every one of them. You see, he's not so lazy after all, right? He is quite thorough. But why is he calling them? According to what we've read here, he's collecting debt. The people owe to his master. So take note, he's not collecting the debt and running off with it. What does he do when he meets each debtor? He, so he comes to the first one that, that owes the master some oil, and this one he owes what? A hundred measures of oil. And he says, quickly, just write 50. So what does he do to the first one? He's giving them 50% discount. Look, he's not collecting this and he's running off with the the 50 measures of oil so that he can go and sell it. No. You see, what does he do to the second debtor? The second one owed 100 measures of wheat. And he said, quickly, come, come. Write 80. He gives the second one, what? 20% discount, okay? And so this unjust steward is planning his exit strategy. He's giving all of his Lord's debtors a discount. Remember, he's not running away with 80 measures of wheat and 50 measures of oil and just simply going to the market and selling it. No, he's going to give it back to his Lord. But you see, if he did do that, not only would he be in trouble with his master, he would also be in trouble with the law because he's stealing. But he is trying to write himself into the good books of all the debtors. He's trying to make friends with them by giving them this discount so that they would owe him a favor. He took advantage of his master's debtors and by accepting this discount from him, they placed themselves under obligation to receive him as a friend into their house after he's let go of his stewardship. You see, this this unjust steward is really thinking about his future. Let's keep reading, and then we're going to just add a little bit more here. In Luke chapter 16, verse 8 to 9, the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely 
He had done what? He had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. So the Lord actually hears what this unjust steward does. And by giving his his debtors a discount. And and he praises this unjust steward. The master makes this statement saying what? He had done wisely for the children of the world are in this generation wiser than the children of light. Why? This man had made friends of the rich people in the world who were unrighteous. The word mammon just means riches. So when they failed, they would res- when he failed, they would receive him into their care. They now owed him a favor because he was the one that had given the discount. He had made plans for his future when he knew that his stewardship was in jeopardy and was about to end. You see, it was more wise for this man to, to do that than to run off with the 50 measures of oil and 80 measures of wheat. Why? Because that was limited supply. But now that he had um, given these debtors this discount, they, they had to receive him into their house. He, they owed him a favor. And probably it would have amounted to more than the 50 measures of oil and the 80 measures of wheat that he would have taken and run off with and sold in the marketplace. And of course, risk getting caught. Now look, the comparison is made between who? The children of the world, which represents the unjust steward, and the children of light. Somehow, the children of the world are wiser. And Jesus is certainly not approving and condoning the behavior of this unjust steward in being so dishonest, right? Remember, this is just a parable. God is not commending this sort of behavior. But why is this comparison made? What's the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach here from this parable? Well, who are the children of the world? You see, the children of the world are the worldly people, those that cheat, that lie, that steal, that are dishonest in their, in their jobs, in the schooling, whatever it is, just like this unjust steward who had a bad character. He represents the people of the world that don't believe in God whatsoever. And the children of light, well, that's simple. They are the Christians, the followers of Christ. But what is the reason that this Lord, He goes and praises this unjust steward because the unjust steward was thinking about his future security. What would happen when he would be put out of his stewardship? He was wise enough to realize that when the Lord found out he was being dishonest, he went to make sure of his own financial security before he lost his job by giving the reduction of the debt owed so that he would have friends to take care of him when he was put out of his stewardship, when he didn't have a job anymore. You see, he planned his worldly life on this earth more than the children of light who had an eternity to look forward to. You see, friends, 
people on this earth, they work so hard. They study so hard. They are so diligent. They plan and they do all sorts of things to secure their futures for a life that is just so short on this earth. Yes, they put in a lot of effort. They put in a lot of energy. They are so diligent in their jobs and in their study to secure a better job or something better to gain an advantage in this world just for a life that is so short. Friends, how does the Bible describe our lives? Well, look at what James says in chapter 4 and verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, For what is your life? It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time. And then what? It vanisheth away. It's just like a vapour. Our lives are just so short that the Bible describes it in this way that our our life is like a vapour. You know, it appears on the glass and then it just disappears. Or, Or the mist in the morning and when the sun comes up, it just disappears. It warms up the earth and it's just gone. That is the shortness of our life that we have here on this earth. And when viewed in the light of eternity, we don't actually spend that much time on this earth. Yet so many people, so many people that are living on this earth today, this is all the life that they have. This is all they have and this is all that they can see. And they work so hard to plan for the current the present, what they see with their own eyes, to have a comfortable and a successful life. Yes, they put in so much energy. And then you compare it. You compare it to the people that know that there's a life beyond the life that we have on this earth. And dare I say, even many Christians, they don't see beyond the life that we have on this earth. Many Christians still go to work, They go to school. They do the normal rounds of what other people in the world who don't know Jesus do. And they work just as hard. And many of us, because of the riches, as they gather up, we begin to forget that there's a heaven and a home waiting for us up there. Why this comparison? You see, the Israelites, God had blessed them with being a steward for God. God had chosen the Israelite nation to represent Him on the earth. And He had poured out so much blessings upon them. He had given them this land called the land of Canaan that they just inherited a land flowing with milk and honey. When you look at the days of the kings, when when God's people were faithful, not only did He bless them with wisdom, but He blessed them with so much riches and so much abundance. God had worked amazing miracles and fought for them. No other nation had God visit them in the flesh and come to minister to each and every one of them so personally. The Israelite nation were truly so blessed beyond measure and above every nation on the earth. And the instruction that God gave to them as their steward of all that He blessed them with, the receiver of all His blessings, is found in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12 verses 2 and 3. This is what God says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, 
and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Friends, this is what we know to be the Abrahamic covenant. This is the covenant, the promise that God made with Abraham whilst he was still little in stature, even though he did not have much. But God said, I'm going to bless you. But for what reason? So that you can be a blessing to everybody else. And just like this unjust steward that we've read here in this parable, who is using his master's debt to his advantage to ensure his survival, this is what God wants us to do with all his blessings that he's bestowed on each of us. Yes, it seems like a poor comparison, but yet Jesus was the one that made this comparison. The steward He had been enriched in his stewardship. And though we are not to follow his unjust example of what he did in cheating his master, his actions were commendable in being a blessing to everybody else. Give them a discount, 50%, 20%. You see that? And this is what God wants us to do today. With all that we've been blessed and with all that God has enriched us with, we need to be that blessing. And in, in, in sometimes here and there, the nation of Israel was that blessing. God gave Solomon all that wisdom. And when people came to inquire of his wisdom, they were so amazed and shocked at how he ordered his palace and how he ordered his house, just like the queen of Sheba. She came and she's like, I, 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 I want to see this man who, who is so wise and the fame of him has spread throughout all the earth. And not even the half was told her. She was amazed when she met him in person even more than what she had heard through the reports. And so God's blessings and and the understanding of God went throughout all the world because of the blessings God poured upon Solomon. And that's what he had wanted us to do, all of us, from the very beginning, all that he has blessed us with. He wants us to be that blessing, all that the unjust steward had in the blessings of his master. He wanted them to be a blessing and not to use it for his own selfish purposes. Let's read in Luke chapter 12, verse 33. This is what God wants us to do. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bag which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. He says, sell that you have, give alms, be charitable. And it says what? Provide yourselves bags, not to to store more riches, but bags which don't wax old in heaven. This is how we can store up treasures in heaven. We got to be willing to sell that we have and give to the poor, give to those that are in need and to be compassionate, to give all these good acts of of mercy and love and even our money to the poor. Yes, we need to be a blessing even in physical terms as well to everybody around us, not just simply share the gospel and pray for people. Let's keep reading. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18. Look at this. They that be good, that they be good, uh, pardon me, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. 
We need to be rich in good works, friends, and ready to distribute, to be willing to communicate, to, to give the blessings of God that He's given to us, to other people. Let's keep reading. This command is, is very clear. There, there's no misunderstanding what we're seeing here, friends, that God is wanting us to be a blessing, not just through the gospel, but even in monetary terms here. Look at this. Luke 14, verse 13. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. Do you see that? God wants us to be that blessing to everybody around us. Continuing in Isaiah 58, verses 6 to 7 and verse 10. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. You see, the, the, the command that was given to the Israelites is the same injunction that's given to us today as well, to be a blessing, to visit the homeless and those that are in need and those that are hungry and those that are poor. We've got to be blessings to those that are less fortunate than ourselves. You see, God has blessed many people out there with much means, with much wealth, with much physical and material blessings. But this question then begs an answer. Friends, what are you doing with the monetary and material blessings that God has given to you? Let me repeat this question again because it is such an important question for us to look at and to answer and to ponder and think about this evening. What are you doing with the monetary and material blessings that God has given and blessed you with. Do you know that no one is too poor to be a blessing? No one can come to God and say, look, I don't have enough, so I can't be a blessing. I'm just scraping the barrel every month. The reason why I say this is not because I'm poor, but the widow's might, the widow's might in the Bible, the story of that woman that came and she was a poor woman, and even though she had so little, as Jesus was standing by there and looking, she came in and she was a bit ashamed because she didn't have much. But she threw in so little, the two mites, the two pennies. And it seemed so little in comparison to what other people were throwing in there. And maybe they were coming with bags and, and dollars and notes and, and gold coins and silver coins. This woman, she only had two pennies. And she threw it in there and Jesus said what? She threw in all her living. She threw in what she needed even to survive. And that widow's might demonstrates that no one is too poor to help their neighbor. Why? Because even though it seems so little in comparison to everyone else, when you calculate it in terms of percentage of your net worth, she threw in 100%. She threw in all that she had left. She gave the most. And the only reason that we may feel 
that we are not able to give back to the Lord or we're not able to help those in need as much as the rich is because many of the poor desire to live like the rich. We desire things that we have no business buying because our budget does not sustain such purchases. We do not live within our means. And so many of us, we come to the end of each month and we're not able to give every, anything to the Lord or help anybody in need because we're scraping the barrel. And we expect God in, in, in a different way to really understand our situation that we're poor, we don't earn much. And so we're not able to heed the command above re- to be ready to distribute to be ready to be a blessing, not to just give back to the gospel work, but to those who are less fortunate than ourselves. You know, friends, I think that we deceive ourselves when we do that, and that we sell ourselves short and excuse ourselves out of being a blessing to the world. We need to learn to economize. We need to learn to live on a strict budget. We need to learn to try not to live up to our means, but within our means and even to be able to save so that we can be a blessing. And at the same time, not only save, but you know, use that money that we do save, not, not to buy bigger possessions, not to upgrade our lifestyle and all those things, but save to be a blessing. Use a portion of what you own and what you earn and what you have to, to feed somebody, to clothe somebody, to house somebody, to sacrifice for somebody else outside of your family and your good friends. And so friends, I'm not picking on the rich this evening, I'm picking on the poor because so many times we excuse ourselves saying, it's okay, we don't have the means, they should do that they should do that. This person should do this and this person should do that. And, you know, we save up so that we can buy a house and so we can invest and so that we can just think of our own personal means without investing back into the cause of God and being willing to sacrifice. You know, friends, this is so important because if we would just learn to be hospitable, learn to invite people to our house and feed them, those that are not as fortunate as ourselves. I'm sure many more people would hear about the love of God. But so many Christians out there are living like the world. In what sense? We hoard our wealth. We think about our futures just on this earth. And the love of God that's burning in our heart grows dim as we chase after the riches of this world. We forget to be a blessing along the way. But you know, friends, this parable doesn't just talk about the physical needs of people out there as well. It doesn't just focus on money and being a blessing in giving food and clothing to those that are poor. What else is it referring to? You see, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Friends, the greatest blessing that we can be to people of the world today is to share the precious jewel of the gospel, to give to the world Jesus Christ and His Word. He is that hidden treasure in the field. He is that pearl of great price.
And God has blessed us with so much knowledge and truth. And we should not just hoard this truth to ourselves and be content to allow others to do the work of sharing the gospel to everybody else. Whether it's the pastor, whether it is the Bible worker that's paid and that is in your midst, we should not allow others to steal the blessing from us that God has given to each of us to be that blessing. He's poured us upon us, yes, uh, abundance of riches, but not just that, He's given us abundance of truth. And to every single Christian, to every follower of Christ, we have been entrusted a work. To everybody has been given a sphere of influence. Everybody has been called to share the riches of the gospel among the Gentiles. And so Christ, He made this comparison to show how earnest people in the world are to secure their futures whilst the professed followers of Christ are so lackadaisical, so lazy, so laid back in sharing the gospel to the world and to secure themselves eternal life that God has promised to them. Look, please don't misunderstand me. We cannot work our way to heaven. Sharing the gospel or giving money to the poor or helping those in need does not merit us eternal life, does not ensure us eternal life. But the lack of such works in our lives does give us a clear indication of a lack of the Holy Spirit or a lack of Jesus Christ living in our hearts. Friends, if the love of Christ is burning within us, these works would be evident. If we were spending time with Jesus, if we were walking with Jesus, we would sacrifice not just, I mean, Jesus gave the greatest example, uh, he sacrificed his whole life. But the Christian, I'm telling you, if Jesus was living in our hearts, we would be willing to sacrifice means, not just to bless those that bless us, but to be a blessing to those that are less fortunate, that cannot pay us back. You know, it's like I give my neighbor some, some fruit and they give me back some vegetables, you know, and, and, you know, be kind to them because they always give us, so we should give to them. That's our mentality of the world. But Christ's mentality is to give to those that are less fortunate, that don't have as much, and that cannot repay us back. Friends, that is the love of Christ burning in our hearts. And if we have that love, His grace, His mercy, His joy, His compassion, then the works would be evident. And so to have such works missing in our lives, it really reflects and shows upon our personal walk and life in Christ. So whilst a person is not saved by good works, it would be impossible for a Christian to be saved without an evidence of such works as well. And friends, it will require effort. It will require planning to live within our means, to live frugally, to deny ourselves of certain pleasures on this earth just so that we can save and use this money to be a blessing to somebody else. It requires effort. You really got to think about it. You got to really keep a tally of your budget. You got to review it every week or every month. Maybe some of us need to do that and start keeping that budget. Maybe 
Maybe you need to, to sell that car that's costing you too much to maintain or, or move out of that accommodation that you're in because you cannot afford to keep it. Or else you'll arrive at the end of every month broke, meaning zero dollars to save. You'll be broke. There's nothing left. And all it will take is an emergency to sweep you off your feet and then you got to go and borrow money from someone else. Friends, it requires effort. And on the other hand, if, if we want to share the gospel and be a blessing to our neighbors spiritually, that will also require effort as well. We'll need to begin to study our Bibles. It's time to pay attention to the sermon that's being, being preached at church and take notes so that we can share it to others. Our devotional lives must go beyond just a mere reading and perusal of the Bible of a few chapters every day. It's time to build out our commentaries and really memorize the Bible or understand what the Bible is trying to say here so that we can be that blessing. It's time to maybe get on our knees and start praying that God would give us somebody to minister to. And so as with the physical, so it is with the spiritual. You don't waltz into eternal life. You don't waltz into being a blessing. It requires effort. And along that journey of digging deeper and praying longer, God begins to give us a passion for the lost, a passion for the work of ministry, a passion for souls that are ensnared in sin and wicked devices. And so it takes effort if we want to be that blessing, friends, whether it's physical or whether it's spiritual. It requires diligent effort. And so we want to come to the conclusion of the parable this evening. Luke 16, verse 10 to 12. Jesus says this, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, Who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Jesus ends with this conclusion about being faithful in that which is the least, being faithful in the unrighteous man, the riches of this earth. We have to learn the lesson of faithfulness, not just in little things, but of worldly things. Look, we still have to study. We still have to eat. We still have to go and work. And so just as we live our earthly, normal, everyday life, the way we conduct ourselves in these normal, everyday things, it will show how we will conduct ourselves in the bigger things in life. And those bigger things, no, is not buying a bigger house, but it's sharing the gospel about being a faithful steward of Jesus. Friends, things like getting to work on time matter. Working the stipulated hours. Are you faithful in your tithe and offering in returning back to God? Are you faithful in how you manage your money? Or are you going into debt every month or living at, the, at such a, a high and lofty lifestyle that you're not even to save a little to be a blessing? Are you faithful in your chores and cleaning after yourself, even to the smallest of things? Friends, we got to learn to be faithful in that which is least. 
If we're not faithful in that which we have here on this earth and learn to give it back to God, He cannot commit to us His eternal treasures because this is reflecting on our characters. How can we be faithful in these little things? Just as the unjust steward used his position and his Lord's name to benefit those that owed money, so we are to use the possessions that God has given to us to benefit and save others. Let's learn to work for those that are the poor and the sinners. May God help us to be be faithful on this earth, in the small especially, Because if we can be faithful in those small things, God will, our characters will be molded to the extent that we know that being faithful in the big things are essential. You know, many of us, we're sitting around waiting for the big things in life, waiting for action to come up and then we're going to rise up to the occasion, aren't we? But Jesus says, no, no. It begins with being faithful in the little things of life today. So friends, what will it be? Where do you have to come up higher this evening? Do you have to start a budget? Do you have to change the way you live? What has to happen so that you can be faithful in the unrighteous mammon, the the riches of this world? And if we can be faithful in our life, then God can commit to us the gospel treasures that are so rich in meaning and understanding that so many people are lacking today. May God help us. May God strengthen us to be faithful to the very end. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have made us stewards of your vineyard. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to that which you've called us to. To some, we have higher positions. We have more responsibilities. To some, we are just beginning. We're starting our life. We're understanding the the, the value of money and, and what it means to be responsible. Lord, I just pray that no matter where we are in life, that you would help us to rise higher today. Help us to be faithful in the very least of things so that we can be faithful to the big things that you're calling us to as well. Guide us to that end, Lord. Fill us with your Spirit. Strengthen us that we can be sons and daughters of God to rightly represent you to the whole world. And so, Father, thank you once again for this time. We just surrender our lives again to you this day. Guide us and lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.